And tonight we are talking about something that I personally am a really big fan of, and that is telling stories. We got any storytellers in the house? You just like to tell stories, whether you're good at it or not. All right. Some people are storytellers. Some people not so much. But um, it's something I really love to do. In fact, when I got into um, youth ministry and preaching, I was kind of like freaking out. Like, man, I don't know how to preach. I've never given a sermon. Like, I, I started out with just music. And one of the best tips I ever heard somebody said, they said, Elijah, you're pretty good at telling stories. So just do that, but for Jesus. And I was like, okay, I like that. And that kind of like shifted how I thought of spreading the gospel. So we're going to talk about spreading stories. Now... One thing about myself that you guys might not know, a lot of people think that I am very extroverted, and in ways that's true, but I have found out over the past couple of years that I have small introvert tendencies, right? I'm not all outgoing and energetic all the time. In fact, one of those things, and some of you guys might relate here, is I really, really don't like talking to people that I don't know in public, Right, specifically like waiters, people at like Home Depot, um, people on the phone, like cold calling. Like for instance, we'll be in my wife and I, Amanda, we'll be in a restaurant, and she'll be like, "Hey, could you ask the waiter for a refill?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he'll walk by, and I'm like, "He just looks really busy. I'll just I'll get him later." Right? He, I don't want to bother him. Right? And then we take Pastor Cord to a restaurant, and there'll be like one all the way across the room. He's like, "Hey, two waters, refill them now. Over here. Come on, you're not on break yet." Right? He's just commanding. And I wish that was me, but it's just not quite, right? We go to Home Depot and I have no idea what I'm looking for. So Amanda's like, ask that guy. I'm like, I don't need to ask him, I know. She's like, where is it then? We'll find it, okay? We'll find it. It can't be that big, right? So I just, I don't like going out and, and having to strike up a conversation with someone I don't know. Is anybody else like that? Is anybody else a little bit conversation shy? I'm not alone, okay? And so. My brother, uh, I don't think most of you have met my brother, my younger brother. Um, we are best friends, him and I, and so growing up we had a lot of funny stories, but he makes me look like, like I am core bear level compared to him, right? Because he is like, if he doesn't know him, even if he does, maybe he just won't talk to him, right? Super shy when it comes to interactions. And so, um, two funny, really funny stories about him that I have to add in anytime I get a chance. Number one, when he was in high school, um, it was the first time he was ever allowed to go to prom. He was a junior, all right? And, um, and so he's pretty shy, and so he didn't really, uh, he wasn't going to ask anybody to prom. And I was like, man, you got to ask someone. It's your first prom. I said, is there anyone you would even think about asking? He said, well, there's this girl at school, and she gives me a ride home most days, and she keeps talking about prom, like, every day. She keeps telling me, nobody's asked me to prom, but I'd love to go if somebody asked me. I'm like, really? What'd you say? He's like, nothing. Nobody asked her. I was like, oh, my my goodness. Ask this girl to prom. He's like, you think she wants me to? I really do. I really do. And so... He talks himself up for like a week. He'll come home. Like, you do it yet? Not yet, but tomorrow, tomorrow's the day, right? And so he does that for a while. Finally, it's the end of the week, right? She's giving him a ride home. And so he's like, today I have to, right? Because we're going to be right there. And I'm going to ask her at the very end of school. I know exactly where she'll be. She'll be by your locker. I have to pass it. I'm just going to walk up. I'm just going to ask her and I'm going to do it. So he tells me, come that time, he goes into the bathroom, looks himself in the mirror, gives himself an actual pep talk to do this. He's so nervous. And he walks up, right? He's going, like I picture it in slow motion. He sees her. She turns around. They make eye contact. And he goes, I kid you not, he walked two miles home because he didn't have a ride anymore. (laughs) 
He just kept on going, walked the two miles of shame. I was like, I can't do it, right? He was really, really afraid of talking. And a lot of times we, we make up these stories in our head like, man, what if I say something and it just sounds stupid, right? What if I talk and they get mad at me and I don't know what's going to happen? Funny enough, something happened to him just like that, which I will also share. Last little brother story. In college, he got recruited onto the team to call people for St. Louis Christian College, which is where we went. Love it, right? And so he had to call people and be like, hey, this is Malachi with St. Louis Christian College. Can I tell you about some of our opportunities? And that's what he did. So he was calling, he was calling. Side note, our rivals, this ties in, was Ozark Christian College, all right? We faced them in a lot of sports. They won some. We almost won others. It was like neck and neck. And so bitter rivalry. And so he calls, right, and and he's been doing this all day. He calls this one number and he says, Hello, sir, my name is Malachi. And before he even gets through, the person cuts him off very, very angry and says, I am a woman. So he says, well, I was just calling on behalf of Ozark Christian College and just uh, wanted to let you know a few things. And they hung up on him, but uh, he got out of that one. I tell those stories to point out that like Malachi, a lot of us become a little bit shy when we have to go out on a limb and talk to somebody. Even more so when it's the gospel, right? Even a lot of us who don't have any problem calling over a waiter or have any problem talking to someone on the phone can pretty easily clam up when it comes to the gospel for a lot of reasons. Maybe we feel like we don't have the answers. Maybe we feel like you're not the person to do it. Because of the mistakes that you made or been making. For whatever reason, we find an excuse not to share the gospel. It becomes difficult. And so a lot of us, right? I've been in this boat before. We come to the conclusion, well, maybe my faith can just be my faith, right? Maybe I can worship God. I can go to church. um, And he can just be for me. And I'm going to let somebody else spread it, right? And that sounds good. But the Bible has a little bit something to say about that. So if you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, or your ancient scrolls, unravel them to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This is some of Jesus' last words to his disciples and ultimately to all believers. Um, He leaves us with a charge, right? And he says this, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? So his last charge to the church, right? To us is go, baptize, and teach. Right? And and generally it's go, teach, and baptize if you do them in order because nobody's going to get baptized if you haven't taught them what it meant. That is very, very difficult to do if you don't share your faith. Right? If you aren't comfortable going out and saying, I follow Jesus, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done for me, right? And often it's an uncomfortable conversation, right? And so a lot of times, like I said, we opt not to have it. We say maybe somebody else would do it, right? And I'm just, I'm just not comfortable with it. But actually us not sharing the gospel goes a lot farther than we realize. We see in Romans 10... Uh, they say a little bit something about that. We're going to read Romans 10, 13 through 15. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. They lay out this assembly line, right? Because as soon as somebody believes in Jesus, their soul is saved. And that's an amazing, beautiful thing. But it says they can't believe unless somebody tells them. Somebody can't tell them unless they're sent. Somebody can't be sent unless they first believed by someone telling them. And it repeats and we see this long assembly line. So what happens in an assembly line if the piece in the middle decides I'm done, right? I'm not going to do my job. The assembly line stops, right? Because to us, maybe it's just one opportunity. Maybe it's just one person. Man, I could have made that comment, but I was just, I wasn't feeling it. It was kind of awkward. So I just didn't say anything. It's just one, right? But maybe you talk to them and they talk to their friend who talked to their friend who talked to their friend. At camp, we did this thing where every student went and pulled up one more student until all 300 students were on stage. It was powerful. And it showed just how quickly just telling one can add up. And so when we think of it like that, we can't afford to miss one opportunity because we're not comfortable. We can't afford to put one person's salvation on the line because it makes us nervous or because it's awkward. And it is, right? It is awkward. We don't know, should I come up and be like, hey, Jesus loves you, see you later, (laughs) right? It's, It's so hard to know what to do. You don't want to say too little. You don't want to say too much. But before we go any further, I like the end of that verse. It said, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, right? Now, how many of you guys know someone with nasty feet, all right? Don't point them out, but just uh, most of us do, right? Right? Most of us know that person. You're chilling on the beach, right? And they're like talons are sticking out of the sand. You're like, bro, cut your nails, right? We've all seen that person. If you're like, no, I don't think so. You're probably that person, all right? I'm sorry, right? But when we think of feet, a lot of times we don't think like beautiful feet. That's, that's kind of a weird phrase. In fact, my buddy KB in college, he thought no feet were beautiful, right? He thought feet were gross. He's like, don't take your socks off. I don't want to see them, right? Don't touch me with your feet. And so one day we were in QT, one of the greatest gas stations of our generation in the Midwest. That's right. And we were in QT and he, he didn't have any money. And so we spot each other in college. And he was like, hey, would you, uh, would you spot me a drink? I was like, yeah, I'll get you a drink. So I get him a drink. Hey, also, could you spot me this bag of chips over here? Yeah, it's like a couple bucks, right? So I spot him with a bag of chips. He rounds the corner with a foot-long cold-cut sub. And I'm like, this is getting out of hand, right? And so he says, hey, could you spot me this foot-long cold-cut sub? I'm like, dude, you're buying like a whole meal now. So hear me out though, okay? If you buy this for me, I'll have it for lunch tomorrow. So I kind of smiled at my friends. I said, I'll make you a deal, all right? You let me rub my nasty foot down your face right now in the gas station. Sandwich is yours, my friend. I thought there was no way he would do it. He looks at my feet. He looks at the sandwich, he goes back and forth, and to my amazement, he says, all right, let's do this. I'm like, no way. So I take this opportunity, right? It was worse than he imagined, because little did he know, I was wearing insulated hunting boots and no socks, which means my feet were just a puddle, right? I mean, disgusting, all right? So he gets down on one knee, everyone in the gas station's looking at this point, and, uh, and we're just loving it, right? And so he's got this big grizzly beard. I take my foot, and I, I wipe it from forehead down the side, down his beard. It left a visible trail. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. But he got the sandwich. I say that for a point, believe it or not. I say that... To to bring out the point, a lot of times we don't think as feet as beautiful, especially nasty, sweaty feet in a gas station, right? And yet, 
The scripture says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, right? Because when you're trapped and you can't get out, no matter how hard you try, and you're in this cell and you're chained up, right? And you are just hoping that somebody comes to set you free. And you finally, after long, long waiting time, you finally hear footsteps. You don't care what those feet look like. You don't care what those feet smell like. Those feet are beautiful because they are bringing you freedom, right? And that is what we are called to be. Amen. Amen. Those are the feet that we are called to be, all right? Even if we're not perfect, even if we're sweaty, nasty feet, all right? We bring truth. We bring hope. That is Jesus Christ. And so it is imperative that we go, that we bring, that we have those tough conversations. How? That's the big question. We know that we should. We know that, that every single encounter counts, but the question is how. Like I said, it's not as easy as it seems. Everybody knows those people, you know, the drive-by evangelism. They just yell, Jesus loves you, out the window. Uh, I, I witnessed today. Yeah, probably saved him, right? And, uh, and then you also have, you know, the person who starts talking about Jesus in like weird times, right? Where you're like, oh man, I just failed my math test. I'm like, oh, that's rough, man. Are you failing life? Do you need salvation? Let's talk about Jesus, right? And just works it right in there. And so it's like, I don't want to be too much. I don't want to be weird, but I also don't want to miss opportunities. How do I do it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. There is one way. There's a lot of ways, but there's one way that's easier than all the rest. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. This will work, guaranteed. And that is simply tell your story. Tell your story. If you get good and comfortable at just telling what God has done for you, it will make a world of difference. And we're going to talk about how we can do that. All right. So first... When, I, when you hear, tell your story, a lot of people, myself included, get a little bit intimidated, right? Like, ooh, tell my story. Like, I don't know about that. Like, because we've heard the stories, right? The guy who's like, you know what? I used to be a non-believer and I did every sin in the book and I died three times and was resuscitated, visited both heaven and hell, and here I am to witness to you. And you're like, well, I've done none of that, so I'm awful, Right? We're like, why even tell my story when somebody has a testimony like that, right? I'll just let them do it. And we get intimidated because maybe our testimony, our story doesn't measure up. But that's no reason not to tell your story. In fact, in Scripture, we see all kinds of stories told, right? We see the big ones. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with a huge amazing transformation story. In fact, it's one of the most powerful tools for Christ, right? If God took you from a dark place, share it with the world. Never stop. But if, he, if that wasn't your story, don't be ashamed, all right? Because we see Paul, right? Amazing transformation story. The guy used to imprison and kill Christians as a living, and then he ends up preaching the gospel and being one of the greatest missionaries on the face of the planet, right? It doesn't get much better than that. We see the 12 disciples, right? They literally travel with Jesus and witness things that we can only dream of seeing, and then they get a write about it, and they're persecuted for their faith, and they push through like... Amazing testimonies. But that's not all the testimonies we see in Scripture, right? We see in the Gospel of John a man with a skin disease, right? And he says, Jesus, will you heal me? And Jesus feels for him, right? And so he reaches out and he heals the man. And even though he told him not to, the man couldn't keep it in. And he went out and he told every single person, right? Did that man do a missionary journey around the world? No. You know, did that man go through a life-altering thing on the brink of death? No. 
But what he did was he told people, this is what Jesus did for me, and I guarantee he changed someone's life. We see the woman at the well, right? She has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus tells her things about her life that nobody else should know. It's amazing. It's not this life-transforming persecution deal that we see in the disciples, but it's something. So what does she do? She goes out and she tells everyone in her hometown, this man knows everything about me. You have to meet him. He must be the Messiah. She told people what God did for her. And that's all that's required. There's no bar of epicness that you have to reach. You simply tell people, this is what God did for me. Now, other people, when you hear, tell your story, maybe you feel like, I don't have a story to tell. Just being honest, has anybody felt like that? Like, you want to tell your story, but I don't have a story to tell. A lot of us feel that way, right? That's, that's something a lot of people feel. Like, man, I've lived a normal life. You know, I've you know, not got into any like extreme persecution situations. I was introduced to Christ. I love him, but like, I just don't have a story. I'm here today to tell you that you're wrong. All right, you are loved, but you're wrong. And so this is why everyone, and I'm going to prove this, everyone has a story that is worth telling, even if you don't believe it yourself. You do. You absolutely do. And here's the thing, it doesn't have to be your life story, right? When people hear testimony, they're like, oh, I'm going to tell my testimony. Let me start February 9th, 1993. A child was born, it was me. Day one, right? No, it doesn't have to be that. In fact, most people would prefer not to sit down for 10 hours and hear your life story. All they want to hear is what you have and how you got it, right? What Jesus has done in your life, right? How he's been changing you. It doesn't have to compare to somebody else's story because it's your story. It's nobody else's. Just tell them what God has done for you. And the amazing part is the way God uses it, right? Maybe on paper, your story's not much, right? Maybe you're like, I've been struggling with anxiety, or I've just been struggling with self-image or self-doubt, right? You know, I'm not special. Everybody struggles with those things. But maybe you tell somebody, I was struggling. This is what God did for me. And they hear that, and they're like, I'm struggling right now, and I would love for God to do that in my life. Maybe it was the word they needed to hear exactly when they needed to hear it. You never know what somebody's going through. Bring that word. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so we are actually going to do a little bit of an activity. Um, and we're all going to do this. We're all going to tell our story. And so I have two volunteers, Millie and Sam. Please make your way up. And they are going to be my, my examples of how to do this. And everyone else... I want you to do this from your seat. So here's what I want you to do. You have a couple options. If you have your phone, right there is good, right there. If you have your phone, take out your phone, open up the notes, just a little place to write, all right? If you have um, anything to write on, a little scrap of paper, a pen, whatever, or you can just do it in your mind, all right? It's not very many steps. You can totally remember it, all right? So you two have a seat right here. Thank you very much. This is, and thank you, James. I've just been informed that registration for the three-on-three soccer tournament is open. Give it up for James. There it is. All right. So, we are going to go through this activity together, and hopefully it will show you all how easy it is to witness to somebody, right? To tell what Jesus has done for you. Five steps. That's all it is. If you can remember five steps, you can tell your story. And these brave students, they're going to tell you their story today. And I'm excited to hear it. All right. So we're actually going to start with five. Step number five, right? One through five on your paper or your notes or in your mind. 
Number five is simply this. You just write, and that's what God has done for me. And that's what God has done for me. So step five is already done. Now you only got four more. All right. So now we're going to start back at one. All right. Now we're ready to go. Step number one. My name is blank. You would write your name. And I am blank years old. Right. So you'd write your name and how old you are. That's how you're going to start. It's pretty simple. All right. So here we go. That's number one. You guys got number one down? You're good. Here we go. They've got number one. Number two, think of a hard time or a struggle in your life. All right. How was it affecting you? How did it make you feel? And write that down. It doesn't have to be long. Aim for maybe four, four or five sentences max. All right. Keep it brief. Think of a a struggle or hard time in your life. How did it make you feel? How did it affect you? Just write that down. Couple sentences, it doesn't have to be much. A struggle in your life. How did it affect you? How did it make you feel? All right, so just to recap, number five was, and that is what God's done for me. Number one is my name is blank and I'm blank years old. Number two is think of a hard time or a struggle in your life. How is it affecting you? How did it make you feel? All right, moving forward. Number three. This is a good one. How did you see God in your struggle? What did it say about him? And how did it make you feel? How did you see God in your struggle? What did that say about God? And how did it make you feel? One last time. How did you see God in the struggle? What did it say about God and how did that make you feel, right? How did God show up? What does it say about him, right? And how did that make you feel? Now we got one more left. Just to recap, number one was my name is blank. I'm blank years old. Number two, think of a hard time or a struggle in your life. How is it affecting you? How did it make you feel? Number three, how did God, how did you see God in your struggle? What did it say about him? How did it make you feel? And finally... How is your life different now that God is in the picture? How is your life different now that God is in the picture? Right? Are you different from the beginning? Have things changed? If so, how are you still fighting through it? How are things different now that God is in the picture? That's the five steps right there. Number one, my name is blank. I'm blank years old. Number two... A hard time or struggle? How did it affect you? How did it make you feel? Number three, how did you see God in the struggle? What did it say about him? How did it make you feel? Number four, how is your life different now that God is in the picture? And number five, and that is what God has done for me. All right, so hopefully most of you have got yours down. Again, it doesn't have to be a book report. It just has to be a couple of sentences. All right, so we are going to start here with Millie. And all Millie's going to do, yeah, give it up for Millie. All Millie is going to do is simply tell you through those five steps, her story. My name is Millie and I'm 14 years old. Um, A challenge in my life was when my parents went through a really hard time. It took a pretty big toll on my sisters and I. And it made me feel confused as I was too young to understand most of it, but it definitely made me feel sad. Um, I saw God in my struggle when he somehow made us stronger through it, not even, not just at the end, but through it. My family and I learned how to open up to each other more. Um, 
That shows me that God is really ever-present. It made me feel loved through the hard times. My life is different because God showed me he can do anything. I feel closer to my family and to other believers, and I have compassion for others who have struggles like mine. And that's what God's done for me. Thank you very much. There we go. And that is what God has done for her. A perfectly good and strong testimony, right? That God can use for who knows how many people, right? That's all it takes. We're going to go to Sam. This is Sam. Give it up for Sam. And Sam is going to tell us what God has done for him. Hi, I'm Samuel. A lot of you know me as Sam. Um, I'm 14 years old. So, um, I guess... Growing up has been hard. Um, I can remember I've never gone a year without being called gay or asking if I was gay. And that made me feel like um, I was doing something incorrect or I just wasn't enough for other people to be normal enough. And it just made me feel sad and I would cry a lot. But I really didn't tell anyone, which I feel was really wrong because it just made everything hurt more and um so i know that god helped me through this because um later on um i realized that it doesn't matter what other people say and just be yourself and if you know what other people are saying about you is a lie then it doesn't matter. And if you know what the truth is, and if God knows what the truth is, then that's the truth. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I just feel like whenever someone tells you something or asks you a question, for me, they would ask me, am I gay? And I'd be, and I'd say no. But I feel like after everything I've gone through, I have to learn that I have to wake up in the morning and I have to think positive. I have to think that everything's an amazing day no matter what happens. And God showed me that he loves me and I'm perfect just the way I am. Amen. Thank you very much. Give it up for these two right here. Brave you telling the story. Thank you guys. You can go and have a seat. It's not easy to tell your story, but it makes an impact. Because I guarantee you are not the only one going through what you're going through. All right? Whether it be self-doubt, right? Maybe you're having problems in your marriage. Maybe you have anger problems, right? We all have problems. And yet Satan tries to tell us that we're alone. That we need to keep it inside because nobody else can know. Because he knows that if you let God get a hold of it, If you put it out in the open, bring it to his throne, God's going to take something bad and he's going to turn it into something beautiful for his kingdom. He will. So if the band could come back up here, I'm going to wrap this up. The things we see from his word today is number one, we are called to make disciples, right? It is the great commission, not the great suggestion, right? Not the if you have time, go and make disciples. It is above all else, go Make disciples, teach them, baptize them. That is our number one goal. And if you are a follower of Christ and you are not in somehow, in some way spreading the gospel, you are limiting your potential 
right? You are keeping yourself from what you're supposed to do. It comes in a lot of different forms. It doesn't have to be the same for everybody, but somehow, some way, we are called to share the love of Christ. Number two, everyone, every single person has a story worth telling, a story that matters. Why? Because you matter. And some of you guys need to hear that tonight. You matter to God just as much as everyone else. Some of you might be going through life feeling insignificant, feeling like you don't matter, so your story doesn't matter. It does. Don't believe that lie. You matter so much to God. He wants to hear about your day. He wants to walk alongside you. He wants to be told in your story. And who knows who needs to hear it, right? Who knows who is sitting nearby going through exactly what you're going through and staying silent and they just want to hear a glimmer of hope. And that could come from you. How beautiful are the feet that preach, that bring the good news of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We are those feet. The thing to remember is God can take, God will take, the worst that Satan can dish out, the very worst, and he will turn it into something amazing. That's why Satan tries so hard to get us to keep it hidden, right? That's why Satan tells you so much, your story doesn't matter, you don't have a story, it's uncomfortable, don't tell it, right? Keep it in because he knows if you give it to God, if you let him get a hold of it, he's going to do something absolutely incredible. Tell your story. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amanda is going to come out here and pray for us. And I urge you guys, lift up a prayer of your own to God today. Let him know that you are available to be used by him, that you are willing to dedicate your story for his glory, because that's where it starts, with an available heart, saying, God, whatever you're taking me through, use it. It's yours. Would you guys pray with us? Dear God, thank you for letting us all be here today and get to worship you. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And um, we uh, we thank you for this time together. And and um, I pray that we will see our stories and how you've worked in our lives and um, and glorify you through that. And we thank you for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name, pray. Amen.